0: Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more,
1: visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. We have our two Bible readings this evening. The first is from the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, page 686. This is Isaiah chapter 1 and we're reading the first 6 verses. The vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that the son of Amos saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear me, you heavens, listen, earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its master, the donkey its owner's manger, but Israel does not know, my people do not understand. Woe to the sinful nature, nation, a people whose guilt is great, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord. They have spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on him. Why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist in rebellion? Your whole head is injured, your whole heart afflicted. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, There is no soundness, only wounds and bruises and open sores, not cleansed or bandaged or soothed with oil. Our second reading is from the book of uh, Mark, Mark's Gospel in the New Testament, page 1003, Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 40. A man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. A Few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Thanks be to God.
0: Brilliant. Thank you for the reading, Anthony. And let me add my welcome uh, to Matt's. My name is Rob. I'm one of the curates here. Uh, do come and grab me afterwards. If we've never met, I'd love to meet you. Well, I have here tonight something extremely special. It is a panacea. Do you know what a panacea is? I looked it up this week. It is a, a medicine that can cure any and every disease. Are you skeptical? You should be because it's actually just a Freddo. But imagine if it were true that I really had a medicine that could cure anything, what would you do? Would you run up here right now and grab it and take it for yourself? Would you take it to a sick friend? I'm of an age now where several friends have had cancer. One my age has already died. Would you hot foot it to your sick friends? Or get to a pharmaceutical lab to analyze and mass produce and and then hit the hospitals? Wouldn't this panacea represent hope for humanity? Maybe it would um, finally wake humanity up from our constant fighting and warring, our casual squandering of human life. And if we could spread this panacea around the world, wouldn't it be the praise of the world? as it rolled back the ills of human suffering. If only we had such an amazing panacea. But Christians, we do, only even better. Our panacea, of course, is a person, no one less than the Son of God, and he can heal every ill, not only of body, but also of spirit and heart too. And the people of Capernaum show us how we ought to feel about him. Do you see the end of verse 12 of chapter 2? What he did amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we've never seen anything like this. Now, I've got no PowerPoint tonight, as I would usually be want to do, so it's a one-pointer, so it's easier for you to remember. This is it. Praise God for his amazing Son. It's not a hard point to remember, but perhaps it's a hard thing to do, because although that's how we should feel about Jesus, so often it's the case we're not full of praise to God for his amazing Son, are we? Why not? we're going to take some time to consider a couple of things that they saw. And please, even as we go, would you do business with God tonight and pray that he moves you to amazement and praise at the amazing son of God. The first thing then that they saw. We should praise God for his amazing son first because he wants to cleanse you from your sin wants to cleanse you from your sin. Chapter 1 verse 40, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. What a sorry individual uh, this leper was. Do you know what leprosy does? It turns people into living corpses with the kind of painful, open wounds and ulcers that Isaiah used as an illustration for what sin was like, interestingly, in that reading that we heard. It made people's eyebrows and eyelashes drop out. It disfigured noses. Still does today, in fact, it's not gone paralyzes hands and feet, toes and fingers become stumps. It damages the nervous system so that fingers can no longer feel and in some cases, the lights go out as blindness sets in. It's like becoming a living corpse. And perhaps it's not hard then to see why a man suffering such horrors from the hand of God ultimately might question whether God really cares Middle of verse 40, if you are willing, if, does God still will good for humans who have spurned and rejected him? I mean, just look at the suffering he's handed us over to. Maybe you've been touched by suffering like the lepers and you share his question very personally. You find it totally understandable. Are you willing, God? But look how Jesus finds this question. Verse 41, he finds it outrageous. Verse 41, Jesus was indignant. Indignant, I take it, that his willingness to help this man was being questioned. Again, remember the reading from Isaiah. God stands there saying, why? Why do you persist in rebellion? Your whole head is injured, your heart afflicted from the sole of your foot to the top of your head. There's no soundness, only wounds and welts and open sores, not cleansed. Why won't you come to me to be cleansed? Why aren't you willing, asks God. You see, the history of the world is not the tale of a God who has stopped caring for us, but of a human race who has stopped caring to know their maker and the life and the health that only he can give. Yes, illness came into the world under his watch, but only because we have turned away from him, the source of life and health, And happiness. And don't mistake what I'm saying. I'm not saying if you are personally ill, you're being punished for some particular sin. We can never say that. But in general, sickness and death are in the world. Because in general, in general, all have turned away from him. But his will for us is that we should come back. Because he is waiting to heal us. If only we will turn. Verse 41. 41, he reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And he was cleansed. A picture of the healing in the coming kingdom that awaits all who turn and trust in Jesus today. And the story could have ended there, couldn't it? But did you notice the strange command that immediately follows the physical cleansing? Verse 43, Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anybody, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them, that is to the priests in the temple. Why would Jesus want a a miracle like this not known publicly, especially when it shows his willingness to help humanity? Well, to get what's happening here, I think we need to, as it were, travel back 2,000 years and get into the mindset and the world of a Jewish leper living under the law of Moses in Israel. You see, the law of Moses said that after a person had been healed of their leprosy, cleansed of the physical disease, then he must go to the priest and prove to the priest that he'd been cleansed of that disease. And then, and only then, must the priest offer a sin offering and a guilt offering for his cleansing from sin and the guilt of sin? Do you see then what Jesus is doing here? Being cleansed of leprosy is not enough, he's saying. My highest priority for you is that your guilt may be washed away, your guilt before God, the judge of all who knows your sin because he knows your heart. Did you see that in Mark's account? End of verse 40, make me clean. End of 41, be clean. End of 42, he was cleansed. And at that point, the cleansing looks complete. But Jesus insists more cleansing must be done. Middle of 44, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices Moses commanded. If you want to look where he commanded them, they're there in Leviticus 13 to 14. Check it out later if you want. Sacrifices to cleanse people from guilt and sin. Now, of course, the animal sacrifices of the law of Moses, they can't really wash away the guilt of sin. If I was convicted of a crime, it's not impossible. It really isn't. And sentenced to jail, I couldn't say. You know what? My pet cat is willing to uh, pay the price for me and take my guilt and go to jail in my place. Is that okay? I'm not sure my cat would be very happy about it. Probably get fed more often. But an animal can't take the place of a human. No, you see, these animal sacrifices in the law of Moses—they were like, if you like, I.O.U. notes. IOU notes that said, God, I have rejected you. I've spurned you, the giver of life. So I know I have no right to life anymore, except the life of this animal, in token of the fact that I recognize that, that I don't deserve to live any longer. Well, at the cross, Jesus, as it were, gathered up all the IOU notes of history, and he said, I will pay the debt. Because although the, the life of an animal cannot well, pay the debt of the life of a human, the life of the creator of heaven and earth, well, his life could pay for the lives of his creatures a thousand times over and have changed to spare because he is of infinitely more worth than us. I wonder, do you ever doubt God's willingness to save us from all harm? Look at the cross. How can you, when the Son of God put himself in harm's way, gave his life to ransom us from sin and ultimately from all disease and death too, if only we will wait. Shouldn't we rather stand amazed at his willing sacrifice. But I wonder if like the leper here, we aren't amazed because we still just don't get how big a problem sin is. Did did you see that with the leper here? The leper shows how one of the greatest evils of sin is its ability to make us minimize the very problem of sin. It's a vicious cycle. Jesus gives him a strong warning, end of verse 43, and command to go offer sacrifice to deal with his sin. It's a command designed to help him face up to his deepest need, but the leper just ignores the command of God. Well, there's a good picture of sin if you want one. He ignores God's command both through the mediator Moses. He should have known Leviticus 13 and 14, don't you think? It might have been a bit of scripture that was particularly relevant to him. And he ignores the command that comes straight, direct from the lips of the Son of God himself. Just casts it behind his back as though it's, as though it's nothing. And can I say that if as we read this reading, you didn't feel the outrage of the leper's disobedience of Jesus, his disobedience of God that is, then maybe the leprosy of sin has damaged your spiritual nervous system too, your spiritual sight, such that you can't see things for what they really are anymore and ironically can't see your sin for what it is either. Sin blinds us to how serious sin is. What are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it when we're not even that bothered about our sin? What can I say that if there's even a spark of botheredness in you, a spark of willingness to come to Jesus to be healed, then he is just waiting to restore your sight. He longs to heal you come to him? Are you willing? He is, but are you? What do you want from him? Do you love the fact he offers freedom from guilt to give you the right to be a member of his kingdom or are you just not feeling it tonight? Is the offer of guilt washed away as I don't know, as boring to you as the Mosaic sacrifices obviously were to this leper, do you feel as apathetic about being welcomed back by Jesus as the leper felt about being welcomed back into the temple at Jerusalem? Maybe sin still has us in its grip more than we'd care to admit. But I hope that there are many here tonight who are amazed by the Son of God's willingness to cleanse us of sin, whose hearts are set racing But if that's not you, please pray with me tonight. Jesus, I see you are willing. Cleanse me from my sin that my desire to be cleansed might match your desire to cleanse me. That my joy at being cleansed might match your generosity in reaching out to me. The wonder of Jesus is that even though our willing is so weak, he remains willing still. Praise God then for his amazing son who is willing to cleanse us from sin. And secondly, praise God for his amazing son because he has authority to forgive your sin. Our second and final story is full of surprises, isn't it? Jesus surprises us with his priority for the paralytic man. Uh, The crowds are now so great it's impossible to get access to Jesus, but the paralyzed man's mates go to great lengths to make sure their sick friend gets the help he needs. Even breaking the roof of their neighbor to lower him into Jesus. For those of you on NHS waiting lists, I don't recommend that as a tactic to see the consultant. I think security would probably see you out the door, even if you did come in through the roof. But when these men finally lower their friend into Jesus' clinic, well, I don't know what the doctors in the room make of Jesus' bedside manner here. But it's a little bit crass, isn't it? Verse five. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now if leprosy is like being a, a living corpse, paralysis is like a A waking death, isn't it? A horrific disease where you see the world go by, but you can no longer lift a muscle to play your proper part in it anymore. And Jesus just ignores this terrible suffering and offers him forgiveness rather than healing him. And again, as in the last episode, don't we above all see the priority of his mission here to mankind? God has come first and foremost to offer forgiveness to his rebellious creatures. Yes, he wants to reconcile us with him, to make his peace offer to us, us rebels against heaven. But this episode moves us on to see another dimension of his mission too, namely Jesus' authority his authority to forgive our sin. And that takes us to our second surprise in this second story. But actually, surprise is too weak a word, isn't it? Shock would be better. Verse 6. Verse 6. Now, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Do you see why they're so outraged and shocked? Why they accuse Jesus of blasphemy? Look, if sin is our refusal to acknowledge God as our God, our heavenly parent and master, then it's a rebellion against him, an offense against him, and as an offense against him, only he has the authority to forgive it. My wife's got into pottery Recently, this isn't one of her creations, but um, hopefully they'll come out looking like this. They're being glazed as we speak. Um, And just imagine that Matt, in a fit of rage, as he often has, uh, having to work with me, grabbed this mug out of my office and smashed it on the pavement outside. And I said to Matt, do you know what, Matt? My wife is gonna be furious because she made that out of love for me, but actually forget about it, because Poppy forgives you. It's all okay. Don't worry what Amy thinks anymore. I hope you would be outraged on my wife's behalf, because this is, well it's not actually, but this is Amy's pot, her creation, not Poppy's. Poppy's not the maker, she doesn't have the right to forgive. Who is this man, Jesus, to forgive people made by God for their offense against the maker and the sins they commit against the other people that he has made? Who is he that he dares to take on that role? Who is he? Well, even the fact Jesus knows what these teachers of the law are thinking in their hearts drops a massive hint about who he is, doesn't it? He is God, the judge of all hearts, who knows the secrets of hearts, the judge with authority to condemn or acquit the guilty because all are laid open before his sight. And yet he has paid for our guilt at the cross, And did you follow in this episode how he proves his authority? He asks in verse 9, which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? Well, I guess in one sense, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven because nobody can really prove whether he's done it or not. Say, take up your mat and walk. And you really have to follow through with a pretty big miracle, don't you? But although it's easier to say your sins are forgiven, it's actually impossible for anyone but God to do either of these things. And so he does what is impossible but visible, healing the man's paralysis, to prove to us that he can do what is impossible but invisible. Forgive our sin as God with the authority of the judge. Who is Jesus to forgive sins? Well, exactly who Pete told us, Mark told us, John the Baptist told us, Isaiah told us, he was in the very first sermon we heard. He is the Lord, come to visit his people. The Lord besides whom there is no other. The Lord with the authority to forgive those under his rule, even us. Yes, Jesus is the son of man too, as he calls himself in verse 10. No Christian would ever deny his full humanity, but though fully man, he is also fully God. The God against whom we have sinned and against him alone. The only one who can forgive and forgive he does You know, it was quite natural and instinctive for the teachers of the law to see his claim as blasphemous. But I wonder again, did you not feel the outrage yourself as it was read? I certainly don't feel the outrage the way they obviously did. I guess they had an intense awareness that God was real, that he was one and that the whole world was therefore his and his alone. So they naturally, instinctively respond with the charge of blasphemy, and some, at least, by the end of the passage, convinced Jesus isn't a blasphemer, are then naturally, instinctively responding with amazement and praise. But we don't, I suspect, many of us respond instinctively in either way. We're not moved to amazement precisely because we don't get how explosive Jesus' words are. Because we don't, like they did, live in the reality of God's reality and power and ownership of us. So we don't feel how blasphemous Jesus' words would be if false or if true how amazing they would be, how amazing they are. Our default in the West is to act as though the world was just here by itself. We dismiss God as though there were no maker and when asked how the world came to be, we say, what do we say? What made the world? Begins with B and B, the Big Bang and if somebody asks how who made the big bang go bang or how something came from nothing we say who knows who cares maybe even as christians we struggle still to live with a right awareness that all we have and are is from god held in existence now by god and belongs to god and so we fail to see the weight and shock and wonder of this moment as the maker of all whom we have all offended with our refusal to acknowledge and worship and obey as he steps into his world as a man and offers to put our past behind us and give us a fresh start with him. And of course, once again, our very dismissiveness of God in this way is the heart of our sin. Sin holds us back from being amazed at Jesus' authority to forgive sin. It paralyzes our response to God's rescue from sin. We're like the waking dead, able to see this passage, to hear this passage, to process this information, and yet paralyzed in our response. Why don't we praise him from the heart? But of course, some of us do, don't we? Many of you in this room, I know, do. You do stand or sit amazed at the mercy of God shown to us in Christ. He has restored your spiritual muscles. That's why you come and worship him, even weekly, weekly. Does that make sense? Yes, there is a lot of spiritual physio and strength conditioning still to go, isn't that? But there is real new spiritual life amongst us. Why? Well, only because the amazing Son of God wants and can and is healing our sin sickness even now. Don't you see? He is at work here today. We're watching him as we watch each other get up and sing with hearts full of joy and praise and amazement. We see his work just as surely as they did then. So won't you then stand amazed and praise God for what you see him doing amongst us just as they praised him for what they saw in Capernaum all those years ago. Now, you might say that's all very well and good for them, to praise God for what they saw. But we actually don't see what they saw. Where are his healing miracles now? Well, I have a lot of sympathy for you, especially if you or your family have been touched by illness and death. Mine has. Both parents dead just not long after I came out of uni. And yes, you may not always see Jesus healing physically today, but sometimes you will. But don't you see? If sickness came into the world because of sin, then his willingness and authority to cleanse and forgive and heal sin means that sickness's days are numbered. So don't dismiss him with a grumpy, I suppose I should thank him then. No, listen to what the Son of God is telling you in his word tonight. See his amazing willingness to cleanse you of sin. See his amazing authority to be able to forgive your sin and praise God. Thanks be to God.